I am feeling really lucky today. It is day 30 of my personal isolation. And uh, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, I am getting more than a little bit squirrely. There's kind of a Groundhog Day vibe to everything. The names of the days are beginning to lose their meanings. I am worried about my business and my family, my town, my province, country. I'm worried about the entire world. And I am somewhat lost when I'm trying to project what the world's going to look like next week, let alone next month or next year. And all of this is, of course, because of COVID-19. So why am I feeling lucky? Well, beyond the obvious, which is my family and I are healthy and most of the people I know have so far not yet been impacted by this virus and the few who have are all on the mend. But the real reason that I feel lucky is my business is an online business. I live online. Those of us with online businesses are feeling far less impact from this pandemic than those with physical locations, and far less is a massive understatement. Many of us are actually seeing booms to our business with significant upticks. We are lucky. Can you imagine just for a moment, uh, those of us in online business, imagine with me if COVID-19 were not a human virus, but a computer virus that took down our systems, our social networks for weeks or months and there's no timetable for us being able to get back to business as normal. No timetable for us to reopen and do our business again. Just imagine that. That's where our friends and colleagues and our neighbors who have physical local businesses are at this moment. Indeed, I am lucky. <laughs> and ironically, as I was raised Catholic and I'm recording this on Easter Sunday, as a result of feeling lucky, I also feel somewhat guilty. I really can't explain that. It's just a thing. So what should we unpack today on Grey Matters against this backdrop of uncertainty in the world? Well, I want to ask you a really important question today. Those of you that are interested in pivoting and reinventing yourself, those of you who are our Grey Matters community, what is stopping you from building that online business? What's holding you back? Over the last couple of weeks, we've sent out a poll to our mail list asking a variety of different questions about the sort of content that you want to see both on Dottotech and on Grey Matters. And one of the really interesting responses that we've gotten back on almost overwhelming numbers is so many of you don't know where to start. You have a desire to build an online business, but you're not sure where to start. You're not sure what it is you should be doing and you don't know just how to get started. Well, today on Grey Matters, I'm going to kind of turn the tables on you and I'm going to ask you some questions about what is holding you back to see if we can't give you some perspective. So what's stopping you from building an online business today on Grey Matters? Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Grey Matters, the podcast for those of us in the Grey Zone. What is the Grey Zone? Primarily baby boomers and Gen X, those of us sporting a touch of gray. We're interested in finding our place in the digital age. On this podcast, we will learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, all from our perspective. The world's changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore. We're facing the prospect of a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need a side hustle to take our experience and put it to work for us. We need to develop mad skills, adapt, and evolve in order to remain relevant in the digital age. I can help. This podcast can help. I'm glad you found us. My word of the day is shift. 
I know it probably should be change. When we look what's happening with the pandemic sweeping the world, change is afoot. But let's deal with a term that we're far more comfortable with as baby boomers. And let's talk about shift. There's been a shift in the world, a shift in the marketplace. Now, what a shift will do for us, as opposed to just dealing with change, but what a shift does is it changes our perspective. It gives us new lanes that we can follow from a personal and from a business life. And it gives us a new view of the future, a new vistas that we can look at, new opportunities. As the world has shifted as a result of this pandemic, as our work habits have changed and our view of the of distance work and a variety of other technical applications to doing online work, as that has all changed, so have I believe the opportunities and probably the opportunities haven't changed, but our perspective of what those opportunities are may have changed. Now for baby boomers, for those of us who are looking at pivoting at reinventing ourselves, this might end up being a terrific opportunity because now is time that we can take stock. We can determine our value in a different way because the rules that may have been impeding us in the past have been changed because there's going to be a whole new set of rules as we move ahead. All sorts of businesses are having to reinvent themselves. So whereas before, if we were going through this pivot ourselves, as we were switching from our traditional work, our historical work to some form of new online business, we would have been to some extent been an outlier. We would have been doing something that the rest of the world isn't doing. Now what we are doing as we are reevaluating our value, reevaluating our offerings, reevaluating what we can do for business, reevaluating who we are, who our marketplace is. As we do that, the world is doing that as well. Mainstream businesses are going through that exact same catharsis at this point. So theoretically, that should make it easy for us to easier for us to go through this process because we are definitely not alone as we do so. I know that you and I spend a lot of time in this current season we're in worrying, a lot of energy worrying. I'm pretty sure that you all experience exactly what I experience, which is I start the day out and because I have no physical appointments, I think I should be able to get a lot more done than I actually end up getting done at the end of the day. And I don't know where the time has gone often by the end of the day, but I recognize that a lot of my energy is spent worrying about the world, worrying about the, our future. And it's not productive. It is certainly not productive. So the first thing that I'm going to ask you to start to do, if you can, is to shift some of that energy. Can you shift away from worry? And maybe we could start spending that mental exercise daydreaming. Daydreaming about the possibility, the potential of what we can do, of where we're going to be as we resolve this situation with COVID-19, where we can offer, where we can add help, where we can be productive, where we can find our center and find our value in the new online world. I know it's, it's tough. It's tough to not worry, but try and use that worry time, some of the worry time, as productive time. Just, just a thought. I want to do a quick shout out to those of you who make this podcast, heck, to the entire Dottotech platform possible, and that is our community of support on Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding service. It's similar to Kickstarter, but for content creators like me. And we've got an amazing community who support us financially, making it possible for us to create this podcast, our weekly tutorials on Webinar Wednesday, our YouTube videos, pretty much everything that we create. So I'm asking you to consider supporting us. There are perks, and the perks are terrific. For our $10 a month patrons, which is the vast majority, the perks include access to our Webinar Wednesday archives, where we have over 100 tutorial webinars on productivity, online marketing, and content creation. 
And our latest perk is free access to our online course, Don't Retire, Rewire, which teaches baby boomers and Gen X what their online options are for reinventing themselves instead of retiring. The links are all in the show notes below, or just remember, patreon.com slash dottotech. Oh my goodness, we had a lot of new patrons uh, jump on and uh, show their support for us this week, and I just need to thank you one and all to Juanita Lorenz, to Dale C., to Zaya Alakahan. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Zaya, thank you so much. Ted Gillespie, Mary Mira Robinson, Elliot Jolish, John Rackenshaw, uh, the RV Queen, Chris Struckley, Nona Tobin, Angie Bradas, uh, Ron Felton, John Strasser, uh, Linda Julio, JC Bradley, uh, Mellowcat, and Bruce Skelly. Uh, to you one and all, I need to thank you so much for showing your support to Dotto Tech. We appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. I don't think that we should look at what's happening in the world as an excuse for not moving ahead and building our own online business, reinventing ourselves and pivoting. So if we, if we can agree that we aren't going to worry too much that the world's situation has changed, but instead look at our own personal situation, let's spend some time and see if we can determine what exactly may be holding you back from building your online business. And I'm pretty sure most of you that are stuck are stuck in the very early stages of uncertainty of where your value is, what your quote unquote superpower is, how it is you want to pivot and reinvent yourself in order to deliver value in this new world. And this is a, this is a challenge. This I have to admit is a big challenge. And if it helps, you don't necessarily have to have the right answer right away. I'm going to use myself as an example. And when I first uh, started and switched over from my traditional work of building, a, building television and radio programs and moved into the online space, I was able to fairly quickly create product, create content, uh, figure out what channels I wanted to be on. YouTube was an obvious there. And I was able to slowly start to build business, build a momentum, figure out some revenue options set against that. Now, I was lucky from that perspective, but I want to make one thing perfectly clear. I hadn't yet found my business. I hadn't yet found my place. I was building content in an area that I was not passionate about, that an area that, but it was an area I was comfortable with and I was competent in. And that can be the starting point. What are you good at? I think as you evolve your online business and as you evolve, as you evolve your, uh, your personal relationship with your online business, we can start with what we're good at, what we can make some money with, what the marketplace needs and what the world needs. Over time, I believe that you can start to ask yourself the questions of what is my passion? What am I truly passionate about? What am I, how do I really want to make a difference? What is my, ultimately, I think a lot of us will recognize what we are going to be building as our online business, not so much even as a passion or as what we're competent at, but as a responsibility. I've told you the story in the past about the start of this podcast and of Gray Matters and of this entire direction that I've been taking the Dottotech brand into supporting baby boomers building online businesses and being relevant in the digital age, that grows out of a sense of responsibility. The fact that I have been successful in the online space and that I recognize that there are very few guides that are going to help 
my colleagues that are going to help those of you in the same age demographic as I'm in meet those goals, building an online business, creating, creating a content marketing business, growing the way that I have. So I see it as a responsibility. It's almost a burden that has been placed upon me that I've placed upon myself. Let's, let's be absolutely uh, clear about that, that I have taken this responsibility on myself, but it has given me direction. I didn't have that at the beginning. At the beginning, competence is what drove me. I was good at telling people how to use technology. I, there was a good vehicle for me to do that in, in YouTube. So I did it. And then I let nature take its course. I let myself have the conversations, the internal conversations that ultimately led me to the actual product that I was passionate about. There's no reason that you can't follow the same path. So uncertainty as a, as a roadblock for stopping you from moving ahead, while it is totally understandable from one perspective, it doesn't have to be a dead stop. You can continue to move ahead, creating content, having a conversation with a growing community. You don't even necessarily have to know who your community is right at the beginning. Start the conversation and your community will grow out of that conversation. So uncertainty, definitely the first big roadblock, but it's, but it's something that you can overcome just by really ignoring it to start. A really common roadblock that I see stopping a lot of people is a perceived lack of ability, not in your core competence, not in, not in what you are an expert on, but in the technical skills surrounding it. And I guess because of what I do for a living, this one drives me a little bit crazy when I hear people saying that they can't figure out how to build a website or they can't figure out how to host a podcast or create video for YouTube. Yes, I realize that it requires a an additional level of technical expertise that many of us that haven't had to have in the past, but it's not really all that difficult to learn it for the future. The skills that you've learned in your life up to this point more than equip you with the facility that you are going to need in order to develop the skills in these areas. All it takes is time. Now, one thing I will say is some people don't necessarily have the energy or the will to learn the new skills that are required. That is, that is a factor and I can accept that to a certain extent, but what I don't accept, what drives me crazy is when people say I'm too stupid to learn the skills. I know that you've, if you've listened to my podcast in the past, you know that it drives me crazy when people say that they can't learn to do something because you can, you're smart enough. It's uh, you, you either choose not to, you don't have the will you don't have the time. Those are all possibilities, but none of these things are all that difficult to learn. I know I teach them all, all the time. And yes, it's easier for me because I do it all the time, but it's really not that big a hurdle to overcome. Technical limitations should not be an issue. And here's one key that I think is, is something that I, I constantly espouse is I really encourage you, even if you ultimately are going to end up hiring somebody to help you in different areas, to do the initial discovery, to learn how to use the basic tools and the basic functionality of any technical aspect of your business yourself. If you're going to have a mail list tool, build out the first mail list program yourself. Take the training, learn how to do it. If you're going to have, if you're going to redesign your website and host your website, research the platform that you're going to be hosting it in. Even if you aren't going to do the construction yourself, know what the capability of the tools that you're going to be using are so that you can effectively build your business processes to take advantage of those tools. It's especially important with our CRM, with our tools that we use for managing our customers, managing our email, managing our data, that it's especially important.
important that you understand what those tools can do, what the limitations are, and how those tools interface with our other tools. But technical limitations, although I recognize that they can slow you down, they should not be a real roadblock stopping you from moving ahead. Do you have a fear of failure? Is that the roadblock that's stopping you from moving ahead with your online business? I know this is a huge issue, especially for us baby boomers. Uh, a few weeks ago, we recorded an entire podcast, uh, episode 30 of Gray Matters. You can find it at dototech.com forward slash GM30, which was called Failing Forward. It was dealing with the fear of failure and how culturally baby boomers have been raised to think that failure is the worst thing ever. Heck, many of us, when we were in elementary school and even in high school, were physically punished when we failed. Failure was something to be avoided at all costs. Many of us have now been enlightened to the point that we recognize that failure is just part of the process of success. It is the learning process where you make your mistakes and you learn so that you can move on. And fear of failure, while it does remain an issue, should not be paralyzing. It should not stop you from moving ahead. This is one a kind of of our historical values that baby boomers have as a as a community. This is one that I think it behooves us to overcome. I really love this new attitude of failing forward, this concept that you, when you fail, you learn, you move ahead, and it is a part of the process and not to be seen as a negative. Certainly, it's not something you're going to go out and say, I want to fail, but being afraid of failure, allowing that to stop you from moving ahead, that is, that's the real crime. And I think it is endemic in baby boomers because just culturally, as we were raised, it was such a negative aspect that failure was, was derided by so many and we were in fact punished for it so often that it is something that we just intuitively avoid and find a great deal of difficulty embracing, even, you know, even if we're conscious of it. I know that personally, I did an entire podcast on it, talking about it, and I espouse to the world how I am so supportive of the concept of failure, but it still bothers the crap out of me whenever I do fail. I really, it's not something that I, I, I believe it is going to be a lifelong struggle to overcome the fear of failure, but we can also make it a conscious decision not to let it stand in our way. The other psychological hallmark of the baby boomer generation, I believe, is the imposter syndrome, how we always feel somewhat inadequate. And I don't know whether that is from how we were raised, how we were educated, how our parents parented us, but we definitely have uh, a, a imposter syndrome that radiates through our generation. And that really comes to roost when we start putting ourselves forward in any leadership position, when you start sharing your content and asking that others be interested in what you have to say. Imposter syndrome stands in the way of so many. And I believe maybe of all of the different roadblocks that I've talked about so far, imposter syndrome might be the most difficult to overcome. It might be the one that creates full stop because we do hear this comment coming from our community that nobody would be interested in what I have to say. Why would somebody want to learn from me? People asking these sorts of questions, which just if we unpack them, just tell us without any question that the person who is saying these things or thinking these things is suffering 
from imposter syndrome. They think for some reason that they are not worthy. I mean, other than just being a totally supportive cheerleader, I don't know how to help overcome imposter syndrome. Actually, I do know how to overcome imposter syndrome, but it requires a leap of faith on your part and on my part for me to overcome it as well, because I do share it with you as well. But here's what we have to really do is take a look at your content, at what you share with fresh eyes, not as the creator's eyes, but as the consumer's eyes. You know, back when I used to do my television show, I always would leave the studio every day knowing that I, feeling that I'd done a reasonably good job, but not really believing that I had nailed it, that I had done a great job in creating the content for the TV show. And my crew was happy. My team was happy. I had got the job done. I looked at myself more as a journeyman, as a craftsman that was creating the content. So I didn't necessarily need the, you know, the pat on the back. You were great today, Steve type stuff in order to keep going. But there was a part of me, even while I was doing the TV show that considered that, that, that I, I did suffer from a certain amount of imposter syndrome at that time. But here is where I was able to overcome that is when I would watch my own TV show months later. I never watched and never worked it through the show while it was being edited and while it was being packaged and produced. And I, in fact, I wouldn't watch every episode before it was released. It was just something that I did not like to do. But every once in a while, I'd be watching TV on my own at home and my show would come on and I would watch it. And without fail, I would watch it with a certain degree of trepidation because I always thought I could do better. I left the studio every day thinking I could do better. And I would actually have some memories of recording that particular show and thinking I hadn't uh, ex expressed something quite the way I wanted to. Yet then when I watched it on television later, I went, oh my gosh, that was really good. I was smart. We were funny. It was, it was a good show. And I would go into the studio the next day and I would say to my team, I'd say, I watched one of our shows. I watched this episode. It was really good. I was surprised. And they would just shake their heads and they would laugh at me saying, would you just trust that the, the, the content that we put out is good. And I have to say that this was on me. This was my issue, remembering it the way I did, but it was classic imposter syndrome. If you want to overcome imposter syndrome, continue to create your content. Trust that you can create the content, build the content, release the content. But every once in a while, go back and watch some of your older stuff. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with how it lands. It'll seem fresh to you. It will seem far more articulate and it will seem far more valuable if you do that. But you have to trust the process. And in doing so, what you're doing is you're viewing your content through the eyes of your consumer. If you can get out of yourself and into their eyes, I think that that will help you overcome what can be the biggest roadblock that does often put full stop on our online business ventures. Imposter syndrome can be a business killer. You really need to work hard to overcome it. The last one that I want to talk to you about, the last roadblock is timing. I know that when you look at the opportunities before you, when you look at what's happening in the world, you have to ask yourself with the total legitimacy, especially in this day and age with what we're experiencing right now, is the time right for me to be doing this? Is the time right for me to be building an online business? Is the time right for me to be pivoting uh, at this time in life? And I'm going to ask you just one simple question on that. Uh, if not now, when? When exactly are you waiting for? It's a fact. We are not getting any younger. And yes, the world right now is a colossal mess. People are facing, their businesses are being disrupted. We are facing a time that we have never faced before, at least not in our experience. 
And there is chaos out there in the business world, in the social world, in the political world. We are trying to figure out exactly what the hell this world is going to look like in two weeks, in two months, in two years. And so this chaos is happening and it's going to happen whether or not you pivot, whether you start your online business or not. Now, starting an online business today, you might have some different sensibilities than you had two or three months ago before we were facing a worldwide pandemic. But let me tell you this, and this is, I, I am firm and confident as I say this. If you start a business today, you're starting it with the right spirit. You're starting with the spirit of service, of serving your community. If you open and you start your business and you begin the process, you begin the dialogue with your potential customers, with your potential community through, a, a, through the attitude of what can I do to help you? How am I going to be able to help you? And then you figure out your business model set against that. The time is right. The marketplace will accept you. The, you won't be seen as taking advantage of the situation or anything along that line, which I know we are all afraid afraid of. We're afraid right now to enter into some new venture that's going to cost people money and charge them money in a time that is in when we have this kind of massive uncertainty. But don't look at it with that attitude. Instead, take the attitude that you are going to help, that your experience is something that which is valuable. What you're going to deliver to your community is going to make a difference to them. It's going to make their job easier, their life better, their business more profitable. You are going to help them solve problems and it's through your experience and your eyes that you can get them to that point. Then you're starting the relationship in the right way. The money becomes secondary to the support that you deliver and there'll be a fair exchange of value as you grow your business. That is the world that we live in. And I believe if you enter with that spirit, with that attitude, that the time is right. It's, in fact, it might be more than right. This might be the best time to be starting an online business. And you know what? It doesn't really matter if it's the best time or if it's the worst time. It's the time. And you know that it's the time for you to start building. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now if you weren't interested in building an online business or growing your online business or expanding it in some way. So you're looking for the hooks. You're looking for the tips. You're looking for the inspiration that's going to help you through that. That means that you have reached the point that the time is right. So if not now, when? Once we're done looking at all of the different reasons that you aren't yet building your online business, you probably have come to the determination that they are all really excuses. I mean, there is the one large psychological issue to overcome, which is imposter syndrome, which I hope we gave you a, a good uh, new set of criteria to consider. But for the most part, let's face it, they're all really excuses. And if you are consulting someone, if you are advising one of your friends and one of your peers, and they are bringing up any of those issues that I just brought up with you and telling you that's the reason that they aren't yet ready to start and build their online business. If you're a good coach, you're going to consult them and you're going to say, those are just excuses. You know better. And you're going to come up with a myriad of reasons why they should ignore the roadblocks. They should bully their way past them and they should get on with the job at hand. Now, before I wrap things up today, I want to spend a few minutes and talk to you about the big picture, about what's happening out there in the business world as we are exploring and discovering this world of distance work, 
of working from home, of using the different collaboration tools from video conferencing to communications tools, and businesses are having to reinvent themselves on the fly in order to remain vital in the COVID-19 world. Now, I had a really interesting conversation with one of my clients, who, which is based in India. All of their employees, or most of their employees are in India, about 200 employees that all worked in one office. And we have a weekly meeting at this point as we're working on a project together. And I'm on the, a call with senior management, which is fascinating because we're on a Zoom call. So I get to see them in their day-to-day -day lives. The call is late at night at home. So they're in their home environments. And I'm, we're kind of welcomed into their homes as we do our business. And our business is proceeding at a normal pace and everything is very healthy from that perspective. But at the end of the call this week, I asked them, as we usually do, how everybody's doing psychologically. And we just kind of, as, as human beings, spend a little bit of time just making sure that we're all okay and just doing checks on each other. And the president of the company said some really interesting things to me. I was asking him about what his life was like now in this, in this environment. And from a business perspective, he was telling me that they are seriously considering not reopening their offices once the epidemic is over, that they are finding that their employees are very productive, working from the home environment, liking it a lot. Now they are in Mumbai and some of their employees have to travel an hour and a half to two hours to get to the office each day. Their commute is very long to the point that the company actually has several apartments within a few blocks of their office for employees to be able to crash in and spend the night in uh, when and the commute is too long going back and forth. And he is talking about how just healthy it is for his team to be working from home as far as more effective work-life balance, all things considered. I mean, yes, they are in lockdown and it's extraordinary from other aspects, but from that perspective, they're recognizing that the productivity and the efficiency of their business is not being hampered by the physical distance between the different team members for almost every division. There is one division that they are having issues with, which is their product division, which is where the product managers are who have to have by nature of their job, uh, communication hands in multiple pots. So they're still working their way through that. But from an efficiency perspective, every department working well, the esprit de corps is high and some areas they're actually finding a increase in efficiency. For example, meetings are far more efficient online than they were in person. He said that when they were having regular in-person meetings, the person hosting the meeting would walk into the meeting, not necessarily with a firm agenda in mind, and they would spitball things on the whiteboard and they would doodle on the whiteboard and make notes, etc. And they got the work done, but in a fairly inefficient manner. When compared with now, the meeting host is sending out an agenda with all of the documentation in place for what they want to cover. And they're finding that the meetings are far more efficiently run and more productive because of all of the planning and preparation going into the meetings beforehand, most specifically by the meeting organizers. They've also embraced in a company-wide uh, basis a communication tool, Slack, which so many companies are using. We use it ourselves, and are finding that Slack is facilitating great conversations and great communication amongst teams. And the senior management is finding it very efficient dealing with all of the different teams through different Slack channels and by video conferencing. So there's a very good chance, as I said, that they will not be reopening their offices, at least not on the same scale as they had before, which again 
adds another level of saving, their outlying expenses of office rental should drop dramatically as well. So uh, lots of things to consider as they are dealing with the changes that are being forced upon them because of the lockdown for the epidemic. Now, on a personal note, I said, what about personally? Like, are you noticing big differences yourself in, in your life? And both the people that I was in the call with go out in the evening for a walk or a run. And one of them said to me, Steve, he goes, I lived my whole life in Mumbai. And this is a gentleman in his mid-30s, I would say. He said, for the first time in my life, when I go out at night, I can see the stars. The stars have never been visible in Mumbai. And we can hear birds chirping in the morning. Again, something that we never had in our city before. What a profound change. And I asked him if I, if he felt that the other citizens were going to want to see more of this or are going to cling to this even when things go back to normal. And he thinks that there will be a change, that there will be a change in their attitude towards the environment. And of course, it, it'll be difficult for any city to, you know, kind of follow the same path once things start to go back to normal. But the new normal when they return, maybe a more environmentally friendly city than it was in the past. And at least for now, they've had the experience of being able to see the stars in Mumbai. Regardless of where you are tuning into this podcast, I need to thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, if you've not yet subscribed to Gray Matters with Steve Dotto, please, in your podcast application of choice, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We are downloading new episodes every Monday morning, first thing in the morning for me, Monday morning, so you've got the podcast uh, for you bright and early on Monday morning when you're ready to start consuming your podcasts. If you have the time and you have the the inclination, a review of the podcast on the your podcast platform of choice is incredibly valuable to help get the word out. But you know what really would help the most is if you have friends who are baby boomers or Gen Xers who are looking to reinvent themselves, who would be uh, enriched in some way by the message in the community that we're building here on Gray Matters, I encourage you to share this podcast with them. Let them know about us and welcome them into our community. If you have comments or uh, you want to reach out to us for any reason, the Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes below, is always the best place to reach out to us, meet other baby boomers, and share your opinions and suggestions for this podcast. Until next time, I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming the castle. Mm-hmm.